Hello and welcome to our latest Regulation Tomorrow Plus podcast. My name is Anita Edwards and I'm a Senior Knowledge Lawyer in the Financial Services team here at Norton Rose Fulbright in London. Today I'm joined by Matt Gregory, a partner in our Financial Services Group, and Senior Associate Jay Bamford. And we're going to talk about the consumer duty and our new Pathfinder tool, which we've developed to help firms ensure they've fully implemented the duty. So Joe, if I could come to you with my first question. What action has the FCA taken since the introduction of the duty? And how are we seeing it being supervised and applied in practice? Hi, Anita. Thanks. That's a really great question. So, I mean, we saw following the rise of interest rates earlier in the year that the FCA showed how they might intend to use the duty as part of their supervisory toolkit, really, when they asked nine banks and building societies to provide value assessments on their savings products. This this was based, obviously, on the FCA's concerns that interest rate rises were not being passed to customers and their savings accounts. And then following that supervisor engagement, the FCA had issued a 14-point action plan to ensure that banks are offering better savings rate deals. I mean, the FCA considered that since their plan was published, they have seen evidence of greater availability of higher interest rates and moves by some savings providers to align the rates available between closed book and existing products. So this example has provided a real key insight into how the FCA may rely upon the consumer duty for the purposes of market interventions in the future. When in this instance, the focus has really been on fair value as the key item, but this is obviously only one of the four outcomes under the duty. And so we'd expect that the FCA may be likely to take similar steps if it saw other widespread issues in the market relating to things such as product design or customer communications or the level of support offered by firms in particular parts or across the market. Similarly, firms also need to be mindful of the fact that the consumer duty now very much forms part of regulatory processes at the FCA. So your authorization applications, variations, permissions, cancellations, or just generally obviously notification notifications on significant business changes. For all these processes, firms really need to be prepared to evidence how they've complied with the consumer duty uh, because the FCA are very much going to be using it as a tool to scrutinise um, firms control framework for the purpose of any approval uh, that they need to give. Uh, and then in addition, obviously, to the broader market issues that emerge today and as I say these regulatory processes, which are very much full and swing, the FCA also flagged in their communications around the implementation date that they would prioritise the most serious breaches and act swiftly and assertively where we find or where they find evidence of harm or risk of harm to consumers. So whilst the FCA may have already sought to implement this approach to some degree from a supervisory perspective, as shown really with the uh, interest rates and bank savings products example, it's naturally going to take a bit of time before the market sees evidence of that approach in, in more public enforcement type notices. Great. Thanks, Joe. Um Matt, what are the key challenges facing firms now? Thanks, Anita. I, I mean, I think the, one of the biggest challenges for many firms out there will be the, you know, the fact that this is only the, the start, really, of implementation of the consumer duty. The duty comes into force for closed products in July next year. And so for those firms that have got legacy books uh, that Joe was beginning to allude to in his earlier comments, then clearly the work is is in full swing in order to ensure that they are making the necessary changes if they do need to make those changes to terms and conditions and other features of the products uh, and obviously overcoming any barriers that there may be in the, in the nature of those historic terms and conditions. Uh, clearly for those older books of products, the uh, conduct risk assessments that firms will need to be going through in order to demonstrate compliance with the duty will take some time and will clearly have um, significant lead times in order to implement some of those changes, thinking about notification timelines for customers and so on and so forth. So um, a lot of firms at the moment really turning their minds to that after the summer break and making sure that they don't lose any time, given that some of the changes will need uh, a long lead in. Otherwise, I think there are two things that I'd pull out. One is that 
firms are already starting to think about the annual compliance uh, assessment of um, acting to, to deliver good outcomes for, for customers. Clearly, that is um, a really significant undertaking in terms of pulling all of that evidence together, uh, their management information and the processes that go around that. We worked with a number of firms over the course of the last year and more uh, to start to think about the processes that would need to be put in place in order to bring all of that information together uh, to make sure that when that information is gathered together and presented to the board. The board is capable of effectively scrutinising and challenging that information in order to make that certification, which obviously the first uh, anniversary of the duty will be the time that that needs to be made, which is next summer. Um, so you know, clearly firms will need to ensure they've got a well-evidenced audit trail to show that they've considered and appropriately complied with the duty post-implementation, and that's a big thing at the moment. As a part of that, many if not all firms within scope of the duty would have had to some degree to establish uh, very new elements of their control frameworks or at least made substantial revisions to pass for their control framework in order to demonstrate that they are monitoring customer outcomes those will need to be properly tested in a firm's bau environment and it'll be important for firms to remain flexible so that they're able to update and adjust that framework as necessary to reflect how the consumer duty controls operate in practice so therefore really important that any issues with the controls identified within the first line of defence are adequately escalated through reporting mechanisms to ensure that revisions can be made as necessary, effectively learning the lessons of that monitoring and testing. Equally, it'll be important for firms to ensure they have adequate resource in second and third line to provide assurance that the duty controls are appropriate for their business in practice. In particular, firms should ensure that second line of defence has access to the necessary external resources to ensure they can properly validate any potentially complex areas of that control framework going forward. And as part of that testing exercise, firms will need to gather evidence on outcomes, as I mentioned, being received by retail customers in accordance with the target market that they have prepared for their products and services and across the distribution chain to establish the effectiveness of their control framework overall. So moving on to our Pathfinder tool, Joe, perhaps you could explain what the tool is and how it helps firms that are subject to the duty. Yeah, absolutely. So as Matt talked about, one of the key post-implementation challenges for firms is going to be in seeking assurance that they've implemented the consumer duty effectively. And that's both really from a breadth and depth perspective. So making sure you've not missed anything and also that you've appropriately implemented the areas that were within your implementation plan. I mean, from our experience on assisting a number of firms across different areas of the market, we are aware that a number of issues relating to the implementation kept coming up time and time again, really, both in certain sectors and, and across the piece. So an example of these were we spent a lot of time with firms on scoping questions uh, and in particular interpreting the concept of material influence, as well as some other concepts which were new to some of the sectors involved, such as fair value. Um, to help firms have confidence that they have had regard to the full range of considerations needed to implement the consumer duty, we've developed our Pathfinder tool. So our Pathfinder tool is designed to help firms check that they have addressed all relevant aspects of the duty and help identify any required improvements to address any gaps in the coverage of the duty as a whole. So the tool includes guidance notes on the different aspects of the duty and indicates those interpretive points where firms may need external advice, which is specific to their organisation set up their products and their services. The Pathfinder tool is intended to provide a more practical guide to implementation and still act as a, uh, a checklist aid for verification against each of the underlying rules in PRIN 2A and COCON, which are the, 
relevant parts of the FCA handbook that implement and introduce the consumer duty. So the Pathfinder tool can therefore be used as a as a sort of tool really to help firms evidence compliance with all aspects of the consumer duty uh, if needed. So if you're interested in our Pathfinder tool, please do register on our website by uh, searching for the FCA's new consumer duty um, and clicking register at the bottom of the page. Brilliant, thanks Joe. So just coming back to you, Matt, are we expecting anything else from the FCA and on the consumer duty? And is there anything else that you'd flag to firms? Thanks very much, Anita. Yeah, I mean, look, there, there clearly will be cross-sectoral feedback in the way that there was in respect of firms' implementation plans, but really firms in particular sectors, so that's, you know, thinking about retail banking, asset management, but also, you know, some sectors like payment services as well. The FCA, I think, will be providing sector-specific feedback on aspects of the duty going forward. So as Joe mentioned, that is probably going to touch on specific aspects. So far, we've seen quite a bit on price and value. Uh, and I mean, I, I would draw out some of the continuing work that the FCA has done in some sectors there. So looking at the asset managers, the FCA released their findings from a, a, a recent report on the 10th of August, where the FCA was saying, look, firms need, some firms need to do more in order to comply with the duty going forwards, even though price and value uh, assessments have been there for that sector for some time and obviously follow the 2017 review from the regulator in that sector. So I think in your particular sector, it's about making sure that you're on the button in terms of updates. Obviously, we've got a, a very useful resource at regulationtomorrow.com, which blogs uh, a lot of that information as it comes out from the FCA. So worth signing up to that if you haven't done so already. Uh, and also on our consumer duty landing page as part of the Norton Rose Fulbright Financial Services team's online resources, we've got uh, a series of sector-specific insights there arising from our work across different sectors, which firms might find useful as they continue to embed the duty over the course of the next year. Great. Well, thanks to both of you for your time today and thanks everyone for listening. Goodbye.